0: Here we are finally, season four of Rock and Roll Show and Tell. It's a podcast with me talking about stuff. Talking about stuff like um, rock and roll. And I don't mean, you know, talking about the art of rock and roll or the, talking about the lifestyle and the commitment to a life of rock and roll. Now that's, that's probably, um, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but I'll rather than go into that and try to define it, I'll just talk about my experience because I didn't really realize for the longest time how unique my experience was. I, uh, I thought everybody could do this if they wanted to, and um, but it wasn't even that conscious. Uh, I discovered music. Um, I can't remember my life without it. My mother played piano. There was uh, a baby grand piano in the foyer. I used to sit on the pedals and rumble all the lowest notes and then put my head against the soundboard and listen to the vibrations. So um, that's, that's a partial <laughs> excuse for how I wound up here. But uh, where is here? Well, here today <laughs> is in the control room of my recording studio. I, have a, uh, um, I don't have a 747 commercial airliner. I have a G6 personal consumption do what you need to do studio and i love it here and at present as i'm doing this uh episode one of season four um i'm in the in the process of um doing the collection for uh oxumed which is the john and whistle rarities collection oxumed volume two so there are you know i'm in here doing doing that listening to versions and it's really weird because when you do a record like this especially when your partner or you know or your 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 bandmate is no longer there to put in his extremely valuable input you're kind of left on your own to fly on your own and so there are different versions of songs like i'm we're taking songs from uh the live tours and i have live tours going back uh that for this particular project from uh 96 to 2001. so i'm trying to pick something from each era but i'll have more than one performance obviously of the same song if we're doing uh, pick one if we're doing uh you know cell number seven which we don't do We never did. But if we're doing that, obviously it's going to sound different and we're going to perform it better or not as well or longer or funnier or louder uh, tomorrow night than we did last night. That's just the nature of, of playing live. So the thing that's kind of tasking about this is you listen to a song, and especially if it's, you know, one of the live at Leeds things, which I'm using some of the um, I think I'll use, um, if I didn't use it already, it's hard for me to remember the track list from volume one, but probably, um, young man blues, uh, cause we had just some blistering versions of it and we never did it the same way twice. We, it was always just, I'll see you out there and we would just go. So the challenge here is which version do i use do i use the one where we played our asses off but it really didn't sound as good as the one where we sounded amazing but we weren't quite hitting on the you know hitting hitting the thing out of the park it's it's tough and then you'll get you'll get a a track that's eight you know however many minutes long ten minutes long and you listen to the whole thing and you'll be for sure this is the one I got to use. And all of a sudden you'll hear Dee! or some other obnoxious thing that says, you know, or somebody hits like a amazing mistake or breaks a string. So that's an interesting part of what, you know, what I'm doing today or in my musical universe. But the musical universe, man, I mean, if you're a part of it, you already know it. It doesn't mean that you're <laughs> that you have your wings, but if you're part of it, um, you already know. When I was in uh, elementary school, kindergarten um, we I went to uh, wow was it? Avenue School, which is an elementary school in White Plains, New York. and we were going to have the uh, the high school band come to play for an assembly in our auditorium so it was all and this was um kindergarten through sixth grade and um, you know before you went off to junior high school and so I had not heard live music before I had heard plenty of music in my house there was always my mother was playing piano my uh, my mother or my brother were playing records um, or there was something maybe that had music on the TV, but there was there was always music in my house. And um, so that seemed pretty normal to me. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I didn't really think about, wow, does everybody have this or does everybody not have this? It's just, it was always there. And as I look back um, over the years at the things that I did or the things that I heard or were a part, whatever it is, I can see how all the pieces of it fit together and how amazingly uh, destined it was to be. So back going back to this, um, this elementary school thing, the band, the high school band comes and it's the first time that I hear music in a live room with that, you know, and you know what a, what a high school or, or a school auditorium sounds like it has that big echoey huge sound you know the ambient sound and if you're sitting in the back which we were kindergartners so we got the you know (laughs) we were in the peanut gallery um you really got the benefit of that amazing reverb so the band is tuning up which i had never heard before that and you you know when you hear it in a movie it's that thing where everybody's getting their act their violin or their cello or whatever in tune and this happened to be the band like there's the orchestra which is a lot softer sounding I think it's and then there's the band which has a lot more brass and is a lot more attack so this was the high school band anyway uh short story short then it it could be very long (laughs) but the short story is the minute the drums started playing I turned to my friend Janice, who was sitting right next to me, and I said to her, I don't even know why, I said, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I never thought about it again. And Janice, as it turns out, uh, I'm now in southwest Florida, and so is Janice. She's down another half hour from us uh, in Naples. And so we see her, and, you know, we, we, we do have the internet so obviously you're in touch with everybody but she came to um an event that i was doing and we talked and she reminded me of that day and she said from that day on i was walking around with a pair of drumsticks in my pocket now this is you know uh, primary school kindergarten first grade i mean that that was it so in my school um back uh then You couldn't you couldn't sign up for lessons. You couldn't be in the band or get lessons until you were in fourth grade. (laughs) So, and you know the the time can't go quick enough. Now, I I got the drum set. You know that we all get when we decide we want to hit things with a stick as children. And I got that for Christmas, and I I did a Keith Moon on that very quickly. You know, none of this is planned. It's just the way it happens. It's like you know. Hit record and watch and so from that point on i was hooked i hit anything that would make a sound with anything that would make it make a sound so i used uh, my mother had a you know like a tea setup and i used the tray as the gong and the spoons as sticks and the sugar holder and the other thing you know the creamer and um i went nuts I, go figure right But you know the point of it is, I um, I loved it. It wasn't that I was destroying silverware or being mischievous. It was this cerebral thing that happened that inside of me, I already knew I needed to be doing this, and this was my first opportunity to actually do it. Besides smashing up the cowboy set, you know the Christmas set. So, um, so, so I, you know, I, now, um, I think my mother uh, following Christmas or maybe the Christmas after that, I got a snare drum and a hi-hat because lucky for me, my mother's sister was dating a guy who, uh, happened to be the chief of the New York fire department at the time, but he was also uh, a big band leader, so... And he would eventually be my uncle. <laughs> so uh, he was a big band leader because he was the drummer. So I, in the beginning, you know, it's cute that Stephen wants to play drums, you know, and we'll go see this and you know, Uncle Bert will tell him what he needs to know. So anyway, I get a a hi-hat and a snare drum. This is what I now have. as This is my drum set. I don't have a kick drum i don't know i don't have any crash Sometimes i have a hi-hat um which is the thing that opens and closes with your left foot if you're righty or your right foot if you're lefty or any foot if you're billy cobham and um i have to make this work so i do i mean no matter what i've got sticks i have a, a skin and some brass stuff let's get started so i go through it and i start playing and you know and i'm I, i'm of course um bothering my mother i i need a bass drum i need this and so eventually i wound up getting um the rest of what would be my first kit the problem was we lived in garden apartments and um they they frowned on drumming (laughs) from the neighbors and of course i would tell my mother oh don't worry you know i'm not i won't play while you're at work um so we got evicted from there (laughs) um but it was always a part of my life and the odd thing was that about the same time that i was discovering music my friend was discovering or had already discovered music because he was playing accordion and that was his instrument so you've got a hi-hat a snare drum and an accordion but that's where it started now I, mine started with records, uh, you know, and you you are the first music that you hear or that it back in the time that you hear is whatever your friends or your family has. Well, my mother had uh, big band stuff and some Broadway stuff. Um, uh, West Side Story was just huge for me. It's the first time I ever heard a curse word on a record, which I had to play that a 100 times. But um, the... The scale, the tritone scale that they used to do the music the syncopation the, the dance the whole thing of that entire production just it just got to me and it was it's odd because later in life I would go on to know some of the people that were uh, involved in that but um but it's it stuck with me as so did Sergio Mendez in Brazil 66 which was my brother's time he was uh, he was I guess an Elvis you know, guy but he didn't want to be that obvious so he was digging johnny mathis and brazil 66 and i don't know you know so there was that stuff so i i enjoyed the big band stuff my mother's stuff more because the drums were so important anything that the band did it did along with the drummer or the drummer did it along with the band either way you could feel the connection between those two things. And when I would see that, or when I would hear it, it would be like, wow, how you know, I need to do that. So I, we meet another friend, and this is still, you know, first years of elementary school. We meet another friend, actually he's a neighbor of mine in the building that I was living in. This is before we got evicted. We're going pre-eviction here. <laughs> this is 19-whatever-it-is pre-eviction and um my neighbor my other neighbor um was a trumpet player he had a trumpet and he you know i mean that's pretty cool and his dad as it turned out was a jazz musician um and he was a pro and if you know what that means back in the late 50s (laughs) it's a pretty cool thing so here we are we've got an accordion, a snare drum, hi hat, and a trumpet. And but we need a name, so we get a name. Uh, I, and I imagine that um, his dad helped us come up with the name because all of a sudden one day, and it's weird when you're in a band. Like one day you're nothing, and then the next day something happens, and it's like, oh, okay, we're that now. And so one day we were the Continentals. Now this is going back. This is pre-Beatles. This is back. This is back. This is when playing at a junior high school party for me was like <laughs> playing the garden. Um, But what do you play when, when that's your, you know, when that's your instrumentation? It's not, it's not easy. <laughs> so I don't remember the whole playlist. I do know that we did the uh, Saints Go Marching In and we had a, an original song which blows my mind that we called the Continental Theme. And I guess it was based on some kind of a I I wouldn't know it unless you played it for me and told me what it was. But it was probably based on some jazz formation that Jan's dad passed down to him and Dave and I learned it and um we made a song out of it. And I can't even imagine what else we were playing. I don't even know what was out at the time. Probably we were very much into motown so you know it could have been that too but um I, you know it's it's weird the where your musical influences come from and so from from that from the continentals which i guess is the, what you would call the first band um you're not thinking about money i you're not really thinking about girls if you're as young as i was i mean i always thinking about girls but it's not this is like you've discovered something and you're not sure whether to tell anybody else about it or not because it's pretty freaking cool. But you don't even it's it's you for me I had to do this thing. It was like I don't know, whatever whatever the thing is that you have to do. You have to have that slice of pizza or you have to kiss that girl or you have to drive that car or you have to Whatever it is, it's this innate thing. I had to play drums. I had to do it, and what I found was that I had to do it with other people because drums, especially drums, are very communicative. Lucky I said that without breaking my lip. Um, in other words, I mean, it's it's a language. It's it's how they communicated over long distances very very long ago in the jungle and whatever and believe me i'm not uh, a historian i beat things with a stick but i can relate to the guys who did it a long time ago and it's trust me it's a lot easier to be heard banging on a log with a skin over it than it is screaming i don't even know if they had language when they were banging on these things anyway so we're getting way off the track but that's you know that's life in the dressing room but we're in the control room so anyway um You know, the thing about it is, uh, I loved playing. And over the years, um, there was, after the Continentals, there was one band that I played with called the Denim Blues. And I didn't really know these guys, but I was a lot younger than they were. They were um, 14, 15, maybe 16, and I was 12, 11 or 12. So it was kind of, I was good enough to play with them, but I was a little too young, so it didn't last very long. And then after that, uh, things all circled back around to uh, uh, back back to the balance of music with Jan, Dave, and who and we started to play with different people. Um, you know, we started thinking about a name we called ourselves all kinds of different things. By this time, the Beatles had happened, so um, you know we we called ourselves the Bugs. We called ourselves the Tottenhams. Which I actually thought was a, a cool name, you know, if you're trying to do the English vibe. And um, finally, we, uh, you know, we became Rat Race Choir, and um, and it stuck, and it stuck through all of the all the permutations. There were five of us in the beginning. Actually, there were four of us in the beginning. We didn't have uh, Chris singing at the time. Chris Peck. We had Pepe, Ficoretta, we had Dave Camilla, myself, and Chris Murphy, and that was the original band. And finally, um, uh, Chris Murphy decided to, oh no, it wasn't, no, I'm sorry, not Murphy, um, Pepe um, decided to move on, or his parents decided that he wanted to move on. Either way, he was not in the band, Uh, he didn't make it out of 68. Um, but Larry McGowan was coming along and was learning the tracks, you know, learning the, the set. He would come and watch us play and so, and so on. And there was no, you know, it wasn't a weird thing. Pepe couldn't do it anymore. It wasn't working out. It wasn't, you know, so you had to make a change. And Larry came to the shows and was, you know, part of, of the whole night. He wasn't playing, but he was watching the catalog and learning what we did and seeing who we were. And, and then... um Eventually he replaced Peppy, and um, we went in. That was the band that first went into the studio in '68 and '69. I think it wasn't Warner Brothers, and um, but the point of it it isn't. I mean, it isn't all of the milestones. The first time you record at Warner Brothers in the Brill Building, that's. I don't even think at at the age that we were when we did that, that, we had any idea what those things even were. I mean, if you look up the Brill Building in Wikipedia, it's uh, it's one of the iconic temples of music. Um, but when you're 15, 16 years old and, and a guy says, I can sneak you into Warner Brothers for the weekend, <laughs> you go, you don't ask, you know, what is this? And, you know, obviously you find out over time. But it's it's really strange because you're so caught up in doing it and being it and you're not being i mean you are it it's happening it's not it's not like i'm going to get up and do this today it's it's all there is it's the minute you go to sleep and the minute you wake up and all day long and if you're lucky enough to get to the point where it really is that way that it really is every day all day and it's the way it's always been for for me i i it's it once it started it was every day all day it's it's a it's the way my life is and the way um i choose to live my life is based on my ability to play uh, or do whatever it is i choose to do creatively so that's uh that's that's a luxury that you don't even realize you have until you look back over the landscape of your career and say wow Because I never had a job. I didn't, like, work at the post office or at the deli. I was in a band. And I was in a band at the time where if you were in a band, you were the weird guy. You know, you were that guy. You were like, he's in a band. It was when they were first, you know, the high schoolers and everybody were first finding out about weed. Then being in a band was not so bad. But anyway, that's, um, uh, that's a long time ago. And it's funny because I, I never think about, uh, I don't go to the high school reunions. Obviously, that would be an interesting thing to do. But I never realized how unique our community was until, not until I left it, because I never left it, but until I moved to Florida uh, in New York, it's so easy to find clusters and communities of other musicians that you get to live in that universe. Um, it's a little bit more by a schedule, but it's not quite the same as being in a band and waking up and going to sleep every day and playing gigs, that thing. But you're still in that universe. You're in you're in Manhattan. You're in the center of the universe. You can call up anybody at any time and say, let's play and play. That's not the way it is down here. Um And it's not that those people aren't here, but there's not thousands of them. This is, you know, a lot of people come. You know why people come down to Florida. I'm not going to rag anybody. It's nice down here. And (laughs) it's warm, you know. Anyway. So, um, but the thing that I discovered, too, uh, about moving to florida is as long as there's a cell phone and an airport and uh some internet i'm good i don't have to be in one place i was in a band where my bass player lived in another country so um that was interesting and the phone bills were sweet but um i don't know man i guess the thing uh, you know i was talking to my cousin debbie today and she said um I always remember, you know, remember you reinventing yourself and reinventing yourself. And the, the thing about that is, is if you want to stay in this business and you're not lucky enough to be Elton John or Rod Stewart or one of those guys with a lifelong career that, you know, spans from your teens and you're still doing it. If you're not one of those guys, you have to reinvent yourself have to be flexible you have to be able to say yeah I can do that whether you can do it or not and then by the time it's time to do it you better know how to do it and not only better you know how to do it I'm not going to check that grammar you better know how to do it better than anybody else in the room so don't say it if you can't do it but I always say it (laughs) it's just part of it's just part of what it is for me. So I've got this album. You know, I'm happy about about doing that. I'm, I'm driving myself nuts about the sound. And I have the new band. I don't know if, if if you're new to the whole rock and roll show and tell universe, then you may or may not know that I put a new band together in addition to all the other ones that I've had, even up to COVID um this is a brand new one this is a, a post-covid project <laughs> so and um we just got our you know we just scheduled a bunch of shows our first show is going to be in uh cape coral and uh, you know i'll drop the details i don't, don't want to turn this into a psa but the the point i guess of this whole um episode list this whole season is the reality of what this life really is i and as i said until uh, we moved to florida and it, and everything changed and this is you know after Aunt whistle passed away and a lot of stuff happened um you have to reinvent yourself you have to stay needed if nobody needs you you can be the best at anything and Nobody needs you. Now, there's another part of that, too. They have to know that they need you. In other words, they need to know that you're there. You can't just sit there and wait for somebody to come and say, oh, wow, I didn't know how much I needed you. You have to be out there doing it. Um, Steve Stevens, I was talking to him a while back, and he said, you just say yes to everything. Yeah, you want to do this? Yeah, sure. You want to uh, play on the theme to Top Gun? What's Top Gun? Is that, it's a movie. Yeah, sure. How about you get a Grammy for that? But that that's the kind of surreal um opportunities and uh you know destiny kind of things that happen. It's a great business. It's um, and if there's a point to this first episode, it is that it's not for everybody. It may look like it is. And the fun part is, but it's not just the fun part, it's the whole thing. And a lot of people get in this for the wrong reason, uh, or by mistake, or whatever, and in the, you know, this life, uh, the life that I know, and the life that my friends know, can kill you. And I don't mean, I mean, well, I mean that, but it can kill you in a number of ways. Um, Anyway uh, this was, uh, wow, my half hour's almost up. This is weird, but, uh, to be continued, right? I mean, I'm going to try to do one of these every week and, um, make season four all about, uh, (laughs) the wonders of rock and roll. So, uh, that's going to do it for me. And, um, I'll keep you posted on things and I'll see you out there.